welcome to this week's NL full-time. It's a bumper NL full-time this week. It's FA Cup for qualifying round weekend, as well as league fixtures as well. So a lot to get through and a lot of drama, action and news that has come out of it, certainly over the last 24 hours as I record this. I'm Lee Edwards. Joining me as always, we have our regulars. It is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Good morning, Luke. And we've also got from the Off The Line blog, Joe Pope. Hello, Joe. Morning. Thanks for having me again. And we've got two, not one special guest, two special guests this week. As it's FA Cup weekend, we haven't had him on this season, but we've got him on today. It is Mr FA Cup fat file himself, Phil Annett. Hello, Phil. Hi, guys. Good to see you all. And another special guest. He's been filming around non-league grounds as well, and they're sponsoring I Haven't a Waterloo Real Player, which we'll get on to later on. We've got Curly from Soccer AM. Hello, Curly. Good morning. Excited to make my debut. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Um, lots and lots to talk about. As we mentioned, it was FA Cup fourth qualifying round weekend. Um, I think the biggest upset, the one which stood out the most, Dickie, was not County losing at home to Colville. Yeah, I think it was, um, given uh, Notts County's league position and the form that they've been in, um, you know, being beaten by a side from... Uh, Step three, a step one side losing at home to a step three side is absolutely uh, a shock. Um, it looks as if Luke Williams did make some changes to the Notts County lineup. Um, Macaulay Langstaff certainly started on the bench, as did Ruben Rodriguez. Um, he threw them on in the second half when um, it, when they were looking like they needed them, but they weren't able to pull it round. Um, I was, funnily enough, I was at the, I went to the Fall Kinnaminster game yesterday and I spoke to Shane Bird after the game. Um, and he said Andy Thanodge, his former teammate from Boston, who's now at Colville, was very, very confident going into that game and had said very confidently, we'll beat them. Um, so, yeah, if you want some more tips for the next round, sounds like Andy Thanodge is the man to speak to. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably the biggest shock, isn't it, Joe? That certainly. Um... Even though Notts County have made changes, you wouldn't have expected them to lose at home to Colville. No, and I think Luke Williams would probably have still backed that side to have enough to have beaten them. Um, but that's, you know, that's the FA Cup. You can't, you know, rotate that many players and still expect to, to roll past these teams from the lower leagues because there is always a potential for a shock like we saw yesterday. Um, and luckily for Colville, they, uh, they managed to get one. Uh, this is quite a significant one, really, um, because uh, Notts County, um, often two years ago when they withdrew in the qualifying rounds uh, during the COVID season, they didn't play. This is uh, the first ever time they've been knocked out of the FA Cup before the first round proper. So that in itself is pretty significant. Um, but also, uh, as a former winner, it's, it's pretty unusual that former winners fall at this hurdle. So the last time that a former winner was knocked out in the qualifying rounds was way back in 1904. So that was a West Bromwich Albion lost a, a, an intermediary round there. So from an FA Cup stats point of view, that's pretty a pretty significant fact that's gone on there. And and for Colville Town on the converse, it's uh, fantastic because uh, obviously a, a two-step cup set is, is a brilliant victory for them and predicted or not, it's still a fantastic outcome. And uh, they, they are equaling their best ever run in the competition by making it to the first round. And in fact, Colville um, last did that 19 years ago and they were the last club to make the first round in their debut FA Cup campaign in the competition's history. So 
Colga is uh, reliving past glories, and it's fantastic to see. On that basis, you know, given what Colville have achieved and, and it being their best run, um, I guess what we're all looking out for now probably is them getting a favourable draw tomorrow night because, um, you know, we speak about the fact that live television coverage comes in at the next stage and whatever, you know, that can make such a difference to a club like Colville Town getting that, that t- uh, televised um, game, um, possibly even progressing further. Who knows? You know, we're not writing off the chances that they couldn't progress. Um, so, yeah, fantastic for them. But, uh, yeah, that just props a little reminder in there, of course, how, how far Nuts County have fallen, Phil, the fact that they've gone down there. But, um, yeah, obviously disappointing for their fans, but um, it's that uh, the old cliche of concentrate on the league now, I guess. That's, that's a great start, the fact that it's the first time they've never reached the first first round. Wow. And and also being former winners, of course. That's why we get you on, Phil, because you've blown us away with that that sort of knowledge there. Um, right. I'll try and try and keep up the, the pace. Yeah. There, so. <laughs> you've set the bar high already, Phil. I did. <laughs> <laughs> the next game we're gonna look at is is one where obviously our esteemed colleague Rob, who's, who's not with us today, but he will pop up very shortly and you'll find out why. Um Aldershot travelled to Chelmsford and he it, at the start of the day, went, well, is it really a shock if Aldershot don't win? Uh, it turned out Aldershot didn't win. He lost at Chelmsford City. Before the game, Rob caught up with Chelmsford City's media manager, Ben Park. Joined by Ben Parks, the press officer at uh, Chelmsford City. Ben, FA Cup, everybody loves it, don't they? And whatever's going on, on the pitch, off the pitch... FA Cup comes around and uh, it's a cause of excitement for those of us involved with football, isn't it? Yeah, we have, we used to have, uh, when I started doing the media stuff for Chelsea, we had sort of years in a row where we got to the second round proper. So it's sort of been my sort of upbringing with Chelsea City is F, good FA Cup runs. We got, you know, almost got a Premier League side, but we lost on a replay one year to Macclesfield when they were a football league team. We beat Colchester mm. United here, probably our best result that we've been here so we've had loads of good days in the FA Cup and we're hoping for another one today I'm afraid and without sort of trying wishing to delve too too deep you've, you've had your challenges off the pitch here at Chelmsford this season but the manager seems to have kept the team pretty focused on the performance on the pitch and, and you're flying really aren't you against a lot of people's expectations yeah I think um, well the first thing we did was after the end of last season was Robbie brought in a head of recruitment from Adam Drew who's worked at Concord when they got to the FA Trophy final when he worked at Lewis last year and they were in the playoffs in the Isthmian League so he's done a really good work come getting some lower level talent in lower league ta- talent like Devon and Sibiu has already moved on to play full-time football with Welling and then Charlie Ruff who's done really well with Harry Lodovica really big target man striker who's been re- just what we need up front and then he's brought in some good experience. Robbie brought in Liam Trotter, who's had a really good career. He was in the FA Trophy final last year with Bromley, um, played for Wimbledon and Bolton, Forest and Ipswich. He's had a really good career. So it's just that. And then we've got a um, goalie on loan from Arsenal, RVA, Edger Herry, who's been brilliant. He's only 19 years old, but I think he's going to be one for the future and that's brought our I think our other goalkeeper Jacob Marsden who was here last year has played even better because he's got another keeper here that's really pushing him and the amazing thing this year is our penalty saving record we've had we've given six penalties away this season it's not great but we've saved five of them wow so 
if Aldershot get a penalty today, we'll hope. Don't get your hopes up. No. <laughs> <laughs> you got big Dave Winfield here as well, of course. Yeah. He's had his injury problems, but still going strong in his, what, mid-30s, I guess? Yeah, I think he's 34. He's captain now. Um, he's just colossus at the back, really. He's he's brilliant. And our other younger defenders have played so well alongside him. And Ade Aluwo, um, if he's not playing in the Football League at some point in the future, something's gone wrong because he's, he's a brilliant player playing alongside him. And and Dave, yeah, he sort of uh, he pushes the boundary sometimes of of the rules, but you need that sometimes. You need a player like. That. And in the end, it was a two 0 defeat for Aldershot down at Chelmsford. And Rob caught up with Mark Mosley, the Aldershot manager, afterwards, and it was quite a significant interview. You'll find out why shortly. Things sometimes are out of your control as a manager, but one thing we've never done is shirked a challenge. One thing we've never done is gone short, and we'll continue to work hard every day to make to make this better. Um, like we do every day, um, but you know, football's a cruel, tough game. This ain't for the the weak. This ain't for the you know the weak. And, and our players are finding that out at the moment. Um, we're gonna have to. I'm hoping that our players are developing that ca- character sooner, rather, sooner than rather than later. There's a lot of noise in football. Um, sometimes you have to push aside a lot of the noise, but the noise will only grow amongst the Aldershot Town supporters right now. There are some, there are many that are saying that your time should be coming to an end now. What about you? What about Mark Molesley? Uh, I know one thing about you and you're not a quitter. Mm. Yeah, I know, I'm certainly not. And um, I understand the frustration now because we haven't quite got the results in this FA Cup was going to be so vital to us and where we wanted to go to try and improve, to try and improve quicker, maybe a bit of recruitment or... Mm maybe an overnight stay or something like that to help us get that win. And we've just lost that chance. We've let it come through our fingers. So I'm standing here now, like, you know, absolutely seething. I've never quit anything in my life. I've fought my whole life for everything I've got. I've bled for this football club before and I'm bleeding for it at the moment, believe me. No one hurts more than I do. No one thinks about it more than I do. No one grafts as hard as I do for this football club, apart from my star. Uh, but I need to see that from, from my players now. And uh, if my time's up, my time's up. And indeed, Mosley's time was up. Uh, he was relieved of his duty shortly after the game. And uh, here is Rob's thoughts. As I said, he's popped up to give his thoughts on the whole sacking. I'm sad that it didn't work out for Moles. He's a top, top man and he bled red and blue. He put his heart and his soul into this job and... He gave everything he had and more, but ultimately football is a results-driven game and the results weren't good enough. He had to work with a significantly reduced budget from that of his playing days at the club and with very limited resources, but ultimately he had lost the fans, a lot of whom found his tactics a little too cautious. Shot supporters can stomach defeat, but they quite rightly expect the kitchen sink to be thrown in in search of victory. Sadly, another FA Cup exit at the first hurdle at the hands of a lower league club was obviously the final straw for the chairman. Moles will always be remembered fondly at the club for the passion, desire and determination he showed in his three spells there as a player. And I'm sure everyone at Aldershot Town wishes him and Tom Perdomo all the very best for the future. Well, Joe, it's uh, Chelsea City. We know we're going well in the National League South. Aldershot aren't going well in the National League. Is it, like Rob said, is it a massive shot, that one? 
No, I think if you were looking at the the games yesterday and you had to pick out, say, two or three teams which you thought could fall at the hands of somebody below them, Aldershot was one. Um, you know, Chelmsford this season have been built on really, really physical players, you know, get, making it a battle for the opposition. Um, and of all the teams you want to face when you... Uh, when you're like that, is Aldershot probably. Um, and bowler counts. It was a fairly straightforward performance. Um, you know, they're in different leagues at the moment and they may well be in different leagues next year, but for the wrong reasons. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a shock. Um, and Robbie Simpson, just a word on him, because he's, what a fantastic job he's doing uh, for Chelmsford. Um, it was tough last season, but he's really, really taken them forward this season. The fourth year running, they've fallen at this hurdle. So, they're uh... Their, their recent FA Cup form is abysmal. So, yeah, it's not really a shock to see them lose again to a lower-level side. Dickie, uh, the next game we're going to look at is um, one that you'll have had a keen eye on, and, and that is this is a massive shock. I mean, Hereford haven't been putting up any trees in National League North, but they went away to Bramley 1-2-1. They did indeed, and this is certainly uh, one that I would, you know, class as an upset with the old Hereford United team, uh, I'm sure Phil would be very keen to uh, stress, are a different team to the Hereford uh, of now, the, the fact that they reformed, you know, but they do have a um, a, a storied cup history, the teams with the name Hereford, and uh, yeah, into the first round again. They, uh, they were, I think they were leading yesterday, um, and were pegged back by a goal from Corey Whiteley, I think, but then uh, Orin Pendley, scored late on for Hereford to take them into the first round. Um, and yeah, one of a number of National League North sides progressing. I think there are three that are through. I think there are slightly more sides from the South gone through from the North than this season. But yeah, flying the flag um, for the North in the same way that Kidderminster Harriers did last season. Yeah, and, and from, a, from a stats point of view for, for Hereford, it's uh, the first time they've made it through to the first round for about five years. But more significantly on the flip side is for Bromley, They've uh, had pretty good FA Cup runs in recent times and had made it to the proper rounds each season for the last six years and, and uh, equaled their best ever runs. So this will be a big disappointment for them not to make it through this year. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to have the reminder of the last time Hereford got to the first round stage because they beat Telford in the first round that year. So, yeah. <laughs> I have to be so sensitive for all you guys about what I say. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to it, Phil, to be honest. I'm used to it. I'm not too sensitive about us getting knocked out of the FA Cup. It happens regularly. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to add on that, um, that this is to just to put into context how good a win it was for Hereford. Um, this is the first game that Bromley have lost at home all season. Um, they haven't lost at home this season. And Hereford at yesterday scored the same amount of goals in one game as any away side has done all season. Um at Bromley. Um, they've only conceded two goals at home in the league all season and Hereford scored two yesterday. So, yeah, really good win for, for Josh Gowlin's men. Blimey, well, Joe's coming in with the stats as well now. They're flying about, aren't they, all the facts and figures? <laughs> Curly, I'll bring you in for your view because obviously, I, I don't know if you were across all the results yesterday, but it's it's been um, it's been a fantastic day of FA Cup football again, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I've um, I'm just looking at the results now and because um, my plan was to go to one of the games but my uh, my colleague Scott was away in, in Cyprus and I'm just looking at some of the results and a lot of clubs that we've been been to or, or planning on going to Bromley was one of them uh, that we'd set up to go and do a sort of behind the scenes tour of their stadium obviously they're full time and um, the media manager there that I know 
um, so that we can come around and have a look around the club. But obviously that might be on the back burner for a little while until <laughs> maybe pick up some points. Um, again, looking at there, I know you mentioned sort of South Shields. I took the uh, six hour drive up to Newcastle that sort of way, uh, not not too long ago, to go and see Kevin Phillips. Um, and it was, the, it was the first time we'd been up north to go and see what sort of level it was like up there. And I know they've had a lot of redevelopments on their stadium, and it's just that club is ready for Football League. Um, a lot, all their, their pros already, they're all professional footballers, they're full-time, but what they're doing up there, I was, I was gobsmacked. It made the, the journey up there well worth it. And we, we same day we came back... Um, after they won as well. And Kevin Phillips is doing a great job up there. The stadium is kitted out. It's it's well run. So I was looking at the result. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned their result there. They beat Scum Park United, who again, two divisions above them. Um, we we all looked at that and sort of where I was yesterday and went, is that a massive shock? Because South Shields are good at home, as you say. The, the full time so they can match Scum Park for fitness and Scum Park. Um, they picked up a little bit, haven't they, under Tony Dawes? So that'll be a bit of a, a blow for them in terms of finances as well. I don't know what you guys' thoughts on it were. Did, did you look at that and go, mm, it's not a massive shot? I think given the, the, the divisional gap between the sides, you have to put it into the upset category. Um, yeah. And certainly the, fo- the photographs I saw of the, the South Shields players celebrating afterwards, it, it seemed one that they were you know, particularly relishing. So um, I, I think they most definitely saw themselves as the underdogs in that game, uh, came through with a goal from Dylan Motley-Henry, who was at, at Bradford Park Avenue last season, a player I saw a little bit of. Um, and yeah, uh, South Shields into the first round, once again with Kevin Phillips as the manager there, you would think that would be, um, d- depending on the, the, the draw that they get, that would be a tie that TV might be interested in as a, mm-hmm. a club on the up, and of course with Kevin Phillips's history as well. So uh, yeah, uh, We've got fingers crossed for all of the, the the non-league sides going into the draw tomorrow night because, you know, we want to see them all do well. Well, for South Shields, it's only the second time they've made it to the first round. So that's one of the reasons why they were celebrated, not just a big victory against a recent EFL club, but, you know, to, to know that they get a chance to make history for the club. And for Scunthorpe, you know, the opposite is true. It's pretty similar to the Knox County story, mm. really. 1950 was the last time they lost an FA Cup game before the first round of the competition because... Obviously, they've been a league club and never had to uh, compete in quarterfinals. So, again, it's a, it's quite a, a sobering thought for them to uh, realise that, that this is where they're, they're, they are at at the moment. Yeah, immediately I thought that then. I just thought, um, I suppose it's the same as the Notts County thing, in that they've never been knocked out before, first round before. So, lots of Gunpark fans will be seeing it as a, as a new role for the club. Another a massive result, uh, they'll be celebrating and again, a team that's um, two divisions below the, the team that they beat, Maystone United, they travelled to Needham Market, they travelled up to Suffolk and they were handed a 1-0 defeat. And Joe, that, that is a shock, isn't it? Um, yes. Um, obviously, the fact it's two divisions below, um, it is a big shock and a very, very good win for Needham Market yesterday. Um, although speaking to some of the Maidstone fans before, um, they felt that they were, could have been on the end of a shock yesterday. Um, I know there's not a lot of good feeling at the moment with regards to to Maidstone and their manager. Um, One that I speak to quite closely, Maidstone fan, thinks that his time is very much coming to an end at Maidstone. 
um, given their poor form. But yeah, I mean, the, the full sort of focus should be on Needham Market, you know, a good win for them into the, the next round. And hopefully they can get a nice big, uh, nice big draw away somewhere um, to uh, sort of as their prize. Yeah, Ipswich Town, they might have their eyes on. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah. It, it is a shock. It's a two-level shock division is a shock. But Needham Market, I think, was it the FA Trophy last year? They had a good run. And they mm, sort yeah. of showed that they had the capability of beating higher level teams. Uh, and for them, again, this is uh, FA Cup history. They've never been this far. They've never had the chance to play a football league side before. So, you know, for them, it, they must be buzzing having won that game. And, and yeah, the anticipation of maybe getting it to its down, it'd be fantastic for them. Dickie, I was looking at the next result and thinking, oh, it's only Brackley they've lost you, but it's actually Bracknell, isn't it? And Banbury United were dumped out by them. Yeah, um, and again, given uh, the respective performance of, of Banbury in the National League North this season, um, they were away from home, so that, that sort of tempers it a little bit. But um, it, it will be a disappointment for Banbury not to have progressed. I think they reached at least the first round last season. Um, so we're looking to get there for at least the second season in a row. But yeah, it wasn't to be. Uh, they lost to Bracknell Town uh, yesterday. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, <clears throat> they'll have to put their efforts into the National League North and the FA Trophy now. They're a goal behind. Slavy Spasov did get an equaliser for them. Um, but yeah, Bracknell took the lead early in the second half through Dan Bayliss uh, and they held on to it. So congratulations to Bracknell. Yeah, and again, it's another club that's uh, celebrating for more than just the cup set because, you know, this does equal Bracknell's best ever FA Cup run. They haven't been in the first round for 22 years. So for them, this is this is phenomenal and they wouldn't have expected to get this far at the start of the season. And Bamboo had been on the up there, probably like the southern equivalent to South Shields in, in a sense, in the way that they're progressing at the moment. So a fantastic scalp for them. It filed this under minor upsets, but having a Waterloo lost at home to Weymouth, Joe, and um, that's a, that's an incredible result, really. Weymouth, I think, is it second win this season? I, I know they've been winning in the FA Cup, haven't they? They've won two or three games in the FA Cup, but uh, it's a fantastic result for them, that. Yeah, and I don't think many would have perhaps expected them to go and win there, given how haven't a Mortaluva have started this season. Um, but they have made a couple of signings. Uh, Bobby Wilkinson, he's tried to, you know, bring in a couple of players there um, to try and turn their form around. Um, I know Ben Goings one of those, um, which is certainly the sort of person you want in a, a scrappy FA Cup tie away from home. Um, and uh, yeah, um, good win for for them. Hopefully, they can uh, sort of take that into the league now um, because they've been all right in the FA sort of competitions, but haven't got going yet in the league. Haven't. I like what you did there. Really, I know haven't a team you followed closely because, like you mentioned, you sponsored one of their players, Mo Fowl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I looked at yesterday's result and I was a bit gutted to be honest because um, it would have been nice to have had a, a player playing in the FA Cup for our first sponsorship. Um, so I followed um, Mohamedou Fowl. Um, we went to visit Enfield Town and uh, he was scoring an absolute hatful. So we um, we did a video, did an interview with him, found his story, which was incredible, going to Italy and playing there. Then obviously got the big move to Bolton. Uh, didn't quite work out for him and then found himself back at Enfield scoring, again, 20 plus goals in the season, assisting with as, as many um, and then it, when it became National Non-League Day on Soccer AM, I got him down to the show and actually he was on it live. So he took part in a, in a shooting drill. 
So there's a, there's a bit of a connection with him. I think he's a great person, a great lad. And when it sort of sort of fell in our lap that haven't were looking for sponsorship for players, so I just um, inquired about how much it would cost. Realised it was a very reasonable price to to sponsor someone at that level. And then straight after that, once we did, we went down and made a video about it, which you can see on our YouTube channel, Location Football. Um, and yeah, we, we, we'll we get his signed shirt at the end of the season. Looking forward to it. So I, I look out for their results every week. He's, he's again, he's on fire. Um, the manager spoke very highly of him and, and, and openly said that this is a club where he can hopefully get that next move into the Football League, which I thought was really good to hear. And you don't necessarily hear that with a lot of managers saying that they... Some of their best players they're looking to push on and hopefully can get their moves. But yeah, haven't more leave. It was a, another another great club uh, that were very welcoming and gave us all the access that we wanted. And uh, yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, they can put that disappointing result against Weymouth. And they're sitting pretty in the table at the minute, obviously second um, behind Ebbsfleet. So fingers crossed they can get promoted and we'll we'll have a player in the National League. But not in the first round, unfortunately. That would have been a big thing for you, wouldn't it, as well, to promote if, if you have been playing in the FA Cup first round. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's it's a great story and it's great that you, you're looking um, down the leagues as well and, and going around different grounds. We'll, we'll just chat about that now because obviously I know you you're going around doing different features. You're going to Banbury in a couple of weeks as well, aren't you, I think? Yeah, that's right. So the the whole premise of um, setting up our YouTube channel, tailoring around non-league football, is I grew up in with non-league football. I played for Cambridge City um, in the academy when I was younger. We moved to Bishop Stortford, had a few games there, and then Mildenhall um, as well. Um, so, but then with my job, Soccer AM, it sort of, took over my Saturday mornings. I, I I was never probably going to make it to a level that I probably wanted to and I couldn't commit to anything. So non-league's always been a big part of, of sort of my my life. And um, yeah, we set it up just in lockdown. Um, wanted to build something. So obviously I've got 15 years of experience of working in TV with Soccer M, creating content um, that I that hopefully people find entertaining. So that's why it sort of started. We, we sort of, Scott, who I do it with is, is, is magic on the cameras and editing and and all that stuff and he, he was at soccer aim as well so we put our heads together and wanted to sort of give a little bit back to sort of football and after all the nonsense about the um the super league and all that sort of stuff it really kick-started us going right now we need to sort of do what we can to sort of help out the, the lower leagues going through exactly a tough time when there was no football and stuff um so our first ever video was at St Albans which was when there was no football so we did a little stadium tour but tried to do it in a bit of a an entertaining sort of location, location, location style video. And then it all just sort of fell into place. We were then going to grounds and with the access that you can get at these non-league clubs and with the Soccer AM um, sort of background as well, clubs have been so welcoming and given us access to managers, players, we're on the pitch, we're doing challenges. And it's it's different to what you would normally expect from like people doing vlogs these days. It's more of a package about the club and we put our spin on it. Yeah, we've got so we've gone from like, like I said, we've got Banbury in a couple of weeks. We're going to Farnham. I've been to South Shields. I've been to Kidsgrove. We've been down to Worthing. We've flown to Guernsey. We did that one, which was that was an amazing trip. And I know the, I know that's sort of the one that people in the Ithmian League sort of look out for because it's a lovely little away day. Obviously, Guernsey, what they do, they get the clubs, they fly them over for the games. And um, you feel like you're going to a Champions League game. We flew out there on the plane with Basingstoke. 
Now, the plane wasn't a Champions League plane, I'll tell you that. It was a propeller, two, two propeller ones. Uh, but nonetheless, it was, it was amazing. Um, so, yeah, so that's our aim. It's to aim is to sort of meet the brilliant people that are in the league. There's so many characters, whether it's the kit man, the manager, the players. You know, we've been to teams where they've gone, oh, our midfielder's a, he's a wannabe rapper. We've got the kit man who worked with the crazy gang um, down at Burgess Hill. So it's it's... It's, it started off going into sort of the Ithmian League and Southern League and where we can get to, obviously, work has a, oh, I got a full-time job. So this is all done in, in, in our spare time. Uh, but we've now branched out and, and hopefully and got more access with National League South and North side. So, yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love I love the, the day. I love meeting the players. I love creating something that all the clubs are like happy to have and that well, very welcoming and having us both down. Well, get yourself up to Telford because Dickie does the media at Telford and uh, it'd be funny to see him do the crossbar challenge and make a fool of himself. <laughs> I'm up for it. I'll, I'll, I'll go anyway. As long as I can, as long as I can uh, make it work, I, I, I'll travel. I'll travel. It's difficult when you finish Soccer AM at 12 o'clock trying to skate over to some to some games. So that's why a lot of my, a lot of mine are midweek Tuesday. So, or Wednesday's great because Wednesday's work from home day. So I can sort of get a little, push the boundaries and get out a little bit further. But um, yeah, I'm always up for it always up for it there you go dicky up for it uh yeah i'm not sure about the crossbar challenge um <laughs> but uh yeah you'd be more than welcome absolutely you would i hold you to that <laughs> there we go <laughs> the other intriguing clash of the day was two sober two sides who caused a lot of upsets back in the 70s 80s 90s by spartans and rectum now this was moved back for espn there was a lot of interest in this game, and it was um, a really fascinating game as well. I'm sure Phil's got stacks and stacks of stats on these two teams by Spartans against Wrexham. But Dickie, following this closely, and uh, it was nil nil for a while, but then uh, Tom O'Connor he opened a scoring for Wrexham, but then a late equaliser for Blythe. Yeah, um, almost doing pretty much to Wrexham what Wrexham did to Blythe back in 1978 when they met in, I think, was what was the fifth round. I think it was a very, very late equaliser in that game to force a one-all draw at the, the racecourse ground that stopped Blythe going through. And then there was a replay at, at St. James's Park with, I think, something like in excess of 40,000 people in attendance. Um yeah, uh, uh, Michael Richardson popped up with a 90th minute goal for, for Blythe yesterday. By all accounts, Wrexham weren't at their best. Um, they've got to take it back to the racecourse ground on Tuesday night. But, you know, for a Blythe side who've been struggling at the bottom of National League North for a number of seasons now, you know, I think they would have had pretty much close to a full house yesterday. So, you know, the gate receipts from that, the fact that it was in, on ESPN probably means there's some money coming in from that. And I'm sure there'll be interest in the replay as well. You know, that Wrexham fans are coming out for any game that they can at the moment. So I would think it'll be another well-attended game. So look, even if Blythe don't get past uh, Wrexham in the uh, in the replay, you know, it, it, it's been a nice little cup run for them. But that's in no way me writing them off. I would say from a personal point of view, I would kind of like Wrexham to progress because otherwise it means Telford strip to Blythe on the 5th of November is going to be rescheduled for midweek. So uh, they could be saving me having to take a couple of days off work to go all the way up to the northeast. <laughs> well, it's a perfect result for Wrexham, um, certainly from the owner's point of view. Um, mm. They're not out and they get another uh, another trip to on ESPN. Um, I see it's already been confirmed as being on ESPN for Tuesday night. Um so, uh, yeah, although Phil Parkinson may have been uh, disappointed, I expect uh, 
Mr. Reynolds and Co. were quite happy with their one-all draw. Yeah, and, and, and also because of the nature of the game. I mean, they looked like they were going to win and then pegged back by at the end. And so yeah, it's a fascinating tie. Back in 1977-78, when they played in the fifth round, it was actually the ninth round that Blythe Spartans were playing in that season, which is an FA Cup record. There's a half a dozen teams have played in nine rounds in the same season. But the tie actually created FA Cup history in itself this year because it's the first time that two clubs have met in both the fifth round of the FA Cup and then subsequently in the qualifying rounds. And, you know, it's probably never going to happen ever again. So, so it's a pretty, pretty impressive uh, information. For the, the downside for Blythe is that on all three previous occasions, Wrexham have always won through. So they have to go against the odds in many ways in order to get through on Tuesday night. That's a brilliant stat, that one, Phil. And I, I have to say, going into this game, I did like the contrast that if you've ever been to Croft Park, Bly's Ground, you will see on the wall, it says Bly Spartans, the most famous non-league club in the world. Um, I, I was corrected on this by Mark Carruthers, who, who covers the club in, up in the northeast. It wasn't actually somebody from Blythe who ever claimed that. Apparently, he was the FA chairman at the time, but Blythe obviously took it, liked it, put it on the wall, and then... I love the contrast, the fact that they were playing Wrexham, who probably can quite rightly claim to be the most famous non-league club in the world at the moment. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Will it be a Hollywood ending uh, for Blythe or will they be um, yeah, will they be playing Telford in a few weeks' time? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, Blythe do like the, you know, the, the, the name, the Spartans, you know, and I've seen Blythe do things around, you know, 300, the, the Gerard Butler film, you know, with the Sparta, etc. They, they, they absolutely love, you know, that, that association with that sort of like warrior breed up there. So, um, yeah, they won't make it easy for, for Wrexham on Tuesday night. Another sort of minor upset, Joe, was um, Yeovil only drawing nil-nil at home to Tartan. Obviously, we had Chris Hargreaves on the show last week. He wouldn't be too happy with that, would he? No, and and the, and the fans I've spoken to since certainly weren't happy. Um, quite a lot of calls for him to go, um, which I feel is very, very harsh. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's the FA Cup, um, and it's a very you know local derby. Um, Taunton Bowl accounts played very well. Um, and I did expect that they would make it difficult for Yeovil yesterday. Um, they've got two really, really good operators in the middle, uh, Lloyd James and, and Lee Lucas, um, who, as expected, probably controlled the proceedings. But um, yeah, um, for Yeovil, they've got another another replay that they've got to to try and win, and hopefully they don't do what they did last year. Obviously, the, that penalty that went famous, uh, which they uh, hit the hit the steward last year in their replay away so uh, yeah hopefully they have better luck this year the, the formality results were, were Beckenham nil, Dagenham Rebic 7 and Farmer 7, Biggledway Town nil. and Phil what are the um, what are the record scores at this stage is I presume it is some that are higher than 7s are there? Well I can't tell you exactly off the top of my head what the record score in the fourth qualifying round is but it's definitely uh, higher than that I would imagine but for both those clubs that is their, their individual record score in the competition. So it's the first time that Dagenham and Redbridge, Dagenham and Redbridge have won 7-0. Uh, actually, the first time that Beckenham Town have lost by as much as 7-0. And uh, for Farnborough, in their new guise, obviously, uh, Farnborough Town existed in the past. But for Farnborough, it was their biggest ever win in the competition and a win that takes them into the first round for the very first time in, in this current guise. So a fantastic double round for them. And, and, and what's most interesting about all, all those games is that all the goals are spread across all the players. There was no 
the one normally you get one player might get a hat trick or four goals, but they, they've been spread across the uh, the uh, team. So seven good. different scorers. There we go. Luke Dreamer. absolutely loves that. Any any score of about about above about five goals and five different scorers or six and six, <laughs> it, it, it thrills him. So yeah, that was why I was pointing excitedly at the screen as you were reading that one out, Phil. It shows that you don't rely on one person. That's that's why I like that. Shows you all round effort, and it's good when when everyone like when you get different scorers chipping in. That's why that's why I love it. But yeah, it's an interesting one on farm because of course everyone remembers. The old farmer, Phil, when they played Arsenal at Hybrid, was that famous game where they switched it and there was a lot of Ferrari around it, wasn't there? There was. Yeah, you, it's not so easy to do that nowadays, to uh, to switch it if they don't really want games to get switched. So they're only switched at the very, very last very, you know, last resort, if you like, if safety concerns more than anything else. But that was a definitely financially driven switch, uh, which the FA now don't support. There'll be some replays needed between Altrincham and Gateshead. Gateshead knocked Altrincham out last year in the first round. Hendon against Chippenham finished 2-2. Oldham and Chester, they drew 1-1 as well. Oldham could be another one where Phil's saying, oh, first, uh, first time Oldham haven't reached the first round if they fail to beat Chester in the replay on Tuesday evening. Um, and then there was a game that you were at, Dickie, Kidderminster against Files. Yeah, I was. That was the, the game I took in yesterday. Uh, obviously, Telford were knocked out a couple of rounds previously, so we had a free Saturday. We would have been playing Kidderminster Harris anyway, so I decided to take in the game against Fylde and saw a very, very entertaining two-all draw. Um, two goals from Nick Horton. He opened the scoring, um, and then he subsequently equalised with a, a free kick in the uh, second half after Kidderminster Harriers had uh, gone into a 2-1 lead. They, they they came out really strongly um, at the start of the second half. Um, they'd made a number of changes to their side. Well, I spoke to their assistant manager, Jimmy O'Connor, after the game. And uh, yeah, he was uh, generally reasonably pleased with what he saw from his side. Yeah, from, from a neutral's point of view, lucky to, it's a good, good game again. I think we've uh, faced each other twice now this year and both ended up in a draw, um, but both good advertisements for the league. Um, are, you, are you pleased with the way you responded that that game? Because, you know, for got the upper hand didn't they a goal from Nick Horton but then you seemed to grow into it as the first half went on and then start the second half you, you really went at them yeah I think that's fair I think they started the game really well um, on the back of last week it's, it's very easy to say you want a reaction you want to start the game well but sometimes look it can, it can knock you it can affect the, the confidence of the group a little bit and I think that probably showed in the first 10-15 minutes against a good side let's be honest um, and it can punish you with good players up the pitch like I said Horton top top player at this level um, probably shouldn't be playing at the level let's be honest Um and he can hurt you in any moment if you're not quite right, and that's what's happened there. But like you say, the, the character and the resilience of the group there to bounce back, I think I think it's credit to him. Sure. You made a few changes for today as well. I think there might be something as many as eight from last week. But um... Um, I don't know if it's as many as that. We're probably <laughs> carrying about. It's probably about seven or eight injuries. That's what it is. Um, okay. We lost another defender in midweek. So, look, another another back four today. And I thought they were first time they played together. And I thought overall, I thought they did really well. Some good performances. You were pleased with the way that some of those the younger players particularly seemed to grow into that as well. You know, it, I think it, 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 it looked to me as if maybe it took them to you know one or two 
try one or two things that seem to work to give them the encouragement to, to yeah, do look, it again? Definitely, look, I think you look at today, we've got two young lads coming in play, making their first starts, young Jack Bean on loan for Liverpool, Tom Leake, centre-back, made his first start of the season, I thought he was um, I thought he was excellent, I thought to come in against any team is difficult to make your first start this far into a season, but to do it against Foyle, um, he's tough and I thought, I, thought he was, I thought he was outstanding. Sure, and, and you know, once again, it's a measure of Kidderman's Harry's a club that, you know, Liverpool will send a player on loan to you, he said this before with Reese Williams, but you know, you've taken a Another one there in, in Jack, as you've said, and pleased with what you've seen so far. Yeah, definitely. Look, we first of all we take great pride in the, in the fact that these clubs um, like their players to come here. Um, it's a two-way thing. They do things right, obviously, but we try and we try and buy into that as well. And, and I think it helps us in the long term. Uh, it builds good relationships. Um, but yeah, going back to Jack today, I thought again coming in brave, um, aggressive with his players, trying to take his players on, um, make things happen. That's what you want to see from young players. Haven't got that baggage. Sometimes they they haven't got all the worries of, of a crowd. They don't care. They just want to go out and impress. And I think it was good to see today. You know, you've, you've had a, a little bit of a rebuild. Obviously, <clears throat> almost victims of your own success to an extent. You know, last season in that, you know, Sam Austin and Gerardo yep. Bajrami left as well. But um, things start to come together. Yeah, look, it's it's one thing we've learned as management is um, look, it's a long season. There's no point peaking. Um, at this time of the year, don't get me wrong, we wish we was absolutely flying and producing the, the type of performances to to win every game every week. But we're not quite there at the minute. But we are, we are, we are improving. Um, we're putting the hard yards in, and, and I'm sure over the over the course of the season, it will it will all pay off. And of course, Kidderminster have got a couple of famous fans. Dicky, you, you caught up with one at half time, didn't you? Yes, I did. I mean, I've not been fortunate enough to speak to Robert Plant in the past when I've been at Kidderminster Games, although I have seen him there. But yeah, uh, James O'Brien, the uh, the LBC broadcaster, um, is a lifelong Kidderminster Harriers fan. Um, and knowing that he or seeing that he was going to be at the game yesterday, I arranged to have a chat with him. We met up at half time. Um, and uh, here's my chat with him now. First game I ever came to would have been when uh, Jan Mulby was in charge, ah, okay. which was the glory days. But I was I was a bit of a glory hunter. I was a Nottingham Forest fan at the time because we were knocking at the door of the Football League. So I saw a couple of games in the season that we went up and then a couple of games in the season, our first season in the in the old League Division 4. But um, if, you'd, if you'd given me a truth drug back then, I'd have called myself a Forest fan. But then in the last 10 years... Uh, 10 to 15 years it's, it's kiddie of uh, have moved ahead it's a way of keeping in touch with home you know it's a way of, even if you're just following the results I've been living in London since I was 19 so kiddie of uh, it's the only time you ever see your hometown mentioned in the paper is in the football results isn't it so somehow it's, it's kind of kind of romantic almost I mean I can associate with that thing you say about being a glory hunter I mean I'm a, I'm a Telford fan and I came in just at the point when Telford was sort of that having yeah. FA Cup runs yeah of course yeah, and it's yeah, that yeah. kind of thing that does make you a fan it draws you in and, yes, yes and it does they become your team don't they it's exactly that and people don't laugh at you so much so the West Ham game last season the FA Cup tie against West Ham was, was by far the most amazing football game I've ever been to and I've been to big games as a neutral you know I've been to internationals I've been to Champions League games but as a, as a fact of your hometown club is actually the one that is we had the first draft of a major fairy tale that day and, and I think that that if there was any uh, if there are any gears left for my support we ran through them that afternoon we really did I mean, that kid against the side of last season, amongst the best you've seen in your time being a fan? Yeah, probably. I, I, it's always tricky being a kid against the fan because we have this habit of putting together a really good run and then getting an absolute 
steamer of a result, which we've just done now. We got beaten 2-0 by Fosley Celtic last Saturday, which is completely against form, completely against the run of play, completely against the table, against their run of play. I mean, they had no business securing that sort of result against us. And it does sometimes feel that, uh, that it's cyclical. But this, and only non-league people understand this, I'm here this week. I think there's eight changes from last Saturday's team. There's, there's two debutants, two full-time debutants on the pitch. There's a new loan from Liverpool, uh, you know, which is exciting. He's, he's, he's really warmed up in the course of the first half. But quite how Russ and Jimmy, the, the, the manager and the assistant manager, can put together consistency when what they're dealing with is so, so mercurial. Even without injuries, your best players get pinched at the end of a good season. And we had a good season last term. And then, and then injuries come in, and in a club like this, you haven't got anything like the strength of depth you need to come out of that. So, you know, you can make the usual noises about, like I just did, about good runs being followed by appalling results. But, I, I mean, it's, it's not a coincidence, is it, that you're putting out two sides one week apart that barely resemble each other at all? That's very true. I mean... How easy do you find to, to, to follow? How are you from, from being London-based? Well, the National League North is tricky. If we, we, when we get promoted at the end of this season, <laughs> there'll be a few games I can get to away games. Um, I spend a lot of time in Norfolk, so I, I thought I was going to be able to get to the Kings Lintown game, this, the away fixture at Kings Lintown. But it clashes with something. You know, I've got a youngish family, I've got teenage girls, and there's always something else that demands our time. So we're not going to be in Norfolk that weekend. So I get, I, not, it's hard. You know, I get to as many home games as I can. My mum has worked out that my visits home mysteriously coincide with home fixtures, but sometimes, because she's getting on a bit now, sometimes I've got to be up to see her even when there isn't a home game. And then sometimes when I'm, when I'm on the train back to London, I, I have a look at some of, the, so, so, some of the sort of clubs that are more at the south end of the National League North, and I think maybe I could get to that. Well, Leamington, I reckon I might be able to get to. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, face on, on the pitch, it's very hard to be here. But, um, but from, from afar, it's, you don't stop rooting, do you? You never stop rooting. I mean, those Harry's teams when you first started watching, you know, you've, you've seen some great players here over the years. Yeah, yeah, everyone talks about Kim Casey at this point, who is a pub quiz winner. Two, there's two pub quiz answers for Kidderminster Harriers fans. It's Kim Casey, who statistically, I think, is the highest scoring striker of all time in a season and there's the fact that we we were at the first ever competitive match at the new Wembley when, when we got beaten by was it Sutton I think that beat us in the FA Trophy Ips, final Ips, I think it was Sutton it was began with definitely I was there I, I, again it was something that you know we went as a whole family my, my youngest was still in a cradle in a carry cot then and, uh, and mum and dad came up from Kidderminster he went to Wembley so I, I, like I say, back in the day, I didn't follow them religiously, so I couldn't talk you through the old team sheets, except to, except to mention a couple of the big legends. But that, that's that's what happens with a team like Kiddy. Is that you know they're, they're sort of sort of faffing around in the shallows, and then suddenly they'll do something like get promoted or have an amazing cup run, and everyone in town suddenly wants a piece of the action. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been really uh, careful. I, what I certainly didn't want to get you to do was talk about politics. Cause you, do, <laughs> you do that all week long. You can't um, stop. Try and stop me, Rich. <laughs> but one, one thing I did think about in, in, in football terms is obviously there's been talk about um, having an independent regulator for, uh, for football. Is that something that you'd back? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone here. I thought you were going to ask me how long Liz Truss had left as Prime Minister. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you've got people like... The problem with football 
I'm about to go philosophical now, is that everyone's always moaning, aren't they? And everyone is utterly convinced, even more than in politics, everyone is utterly convinced that their own team's never done anything wrong and the other lot are always breaking, rule, breaking rules galore. So I, I, I don't, I'm not across the issue enough to have a very pungent opinion on the need for an independent regulator, but I'm, in, I'm a fan of independence and I'm a fan of regulation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, won a lot of hearts last season with that run certainly yeah. you know it was live on television everybody got to see Kidderminster Harry is at their absolute best yeah um, and yeah I absolutely you know identify with that you, you, you're in dreamland don't yeah. you, when something like that happens it, there's nothing like it there's not I mean there's literally nothing like it I, some people, I'm not um, I'm not someone who travels up and down the country as I said to follow them but I've never had a day like that I've, when that goal went in I've never felt like that ever watching any sport or watching a, a concert or watching a play, that absolute pure adrenaline to the heart was, was just... And then it went on the second half. I'm watching the clock more than I'm watching the pitch because you just couldn't believe this growing sense of, of possibility that you're, you're... Oh, I don't like to think about it, Rich, to be honest with you, mate. You're bringing it all back. I was sitting here. I was sitting just there, three seats away from where I am now. I don't normally do the, uh, the corporate side of it. I prefer to sit... In the, in the normal stands, but they're a lovely bunch. Richard Lane, the new owner, has really turned the club upside down and uh, in a good way. And so, you know, when, when, they, when they drop the prawn sandwich invitation, I'm always very, very happy to come along. But that, that was the last time I was in the, in the posh seats. And, uh, you, yeah, it's still a bit raw, to be honest with you. Well, you don't, you don't come for the glamour, do you? you don't come. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I was at, I was at the Chelsea Spurs game with a mate of mine who's got one of those really fancy season tickets. You know, the sort of eight grand a season one with the bottomless bar and all the wine you can drink. I just sent him a picture of our table and I said, I'm not being funny, but I would much rather be here. <laughs> he thinks I'm mad. <laughs> uh, another game, Joe, it's kind of an NL full-time derby. Tommy's on every so often. Here's Hampton and Richmond Burrside travels to Torquay and he's bemoaning the fact that Hampton didn't win that game. Yeah, and I don't, uh, I don't doubt that. Um, another dreadful performance in Torquay. Um, which they managed to uh, scrape, a, scrape a draw. Um, obviously, they went out last year uh, in the competition to uh, a lower-ranked team from the National League South, um, and it nearly happened again. Um, full credit to Hampton. Obviously, they came and uh, played really well. Um, first goal um, was saved, uh, penalty saved from Mark Halstead and followed in on the rebound, and then they scored from the edge of the box, Jake Gray, who... I believe has scored a couple of big FA Cup goals before for his previous clubs, um, and uh, yeah, um, we managed to get a get a draw to ensure we're still in the hat, but uh, certainly uh, papering over some cracks there. I think. Yeah, well, eight national eight national league sides were knocked out in the fourth qualifying round at the first attempt in this season's competition. Uh, just looking at some stats. There's 10 National League sides, definitely three, five from the South and three from the North. Uh, another seven could be in the first round after replays. Um, one, one which was really interesting and one which was flagged up to me, Phil, as well, was about Darkin. Now, funny enough, I'm just watching the uh, the documentary on them at the minute and I've just got to an episode where Mark White goes, oh, when we, when we do get to the first round, it's going to be a big one. We're going to get to the third round and play Man United. Well, mm-hmm. they're not going to reach the first round this year because they got knocked out. Yet again in the fourth qualifying round against Eastley. Well, I mean, you say yet again, it's only the second time they've appeared yeah. in the fourth qualifying round um, as it did last year. Um, it's quite an amazing situation that a club 
at this late stage in the competition is equaling their best ever run by playing in the round. And yeah, they had high ambitions to uh, go a long way in the competition this year, but uh, obviously not to be. A word for, for Lee Bradbury, because uh, I know obviously when he came in last season, the Eastleigh fans weren't completely sold, but he's doing a fantastic job there. Um, for Eastleigh, doing really well in the league and, you know, get through in the F- to the first round of the FA Cup as well. So, uh, yeah, he's doing really, really well this season for Eastleigh. Any other nuggets you want to throw at us, Phil, from, yesterday, from the FA Cup fourth qualifying round that we haven't got through yet? Well, just, just uh, to link back to the very first point about clubs that uh, have been knocked out at this stage for the first time in quite a while, it, you've got to go to the Woking v Southend United uh, result we're working one two one, getting revenge for a defeat against Southend from twenty five years ago in the competition. Um, but that defeat for Southend is the is the first time they've failed to be in the first round proper for ninety eight years. So that's how long they've been in the league. And again, another example of a club falling uh, down the lower levels who are having to realise where exactly they are now. Yeah, and of course, Southend in a dive straight off the field. They've been um, issued with a, an HMRC winding up order this week as well, haven't they, Dicky? They have. Um, it, it's a very strange one. Uh, in a, a number of South End fans um, are, are of, seem to be of the opinion that, that this happens to us quite regularly. Nothing to see here, and and are, are waving it away. Um, but you know, the, the very fact that they've got used to the fact that they periodically have winding up orders issued against them, um, you know, it isn't a great situation to be in. Um, I know, certainly, I'm trying to remember back, I, I don't know if it might not have been Ilkeston Town a while ago, um, uh, obviously a lower division, but I think they, they got into a situation where they had one issued against them. And I think people were kind of blase about it because these kind of things have happened before. And then it actually happened. And then they were actually wound up um, uh, on the basis of that and had to start all over again. So, you know, I don't think South End fans... Um, are happy at the moment. They're not happy with the way that Ron Martin's run the club for a number of years. Um, we clearly don't want the worst to happen uh, for them because, uh, you know, as as much as they uh, have issues with the, with the owner, it is ultimately the fans who suffer the most out of this when when a club uh, goes to the wall. So we 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 hope or we wish uh, Southend all the best. Um, and hope they can come through this. Yeah, well, just going on, uh, adding to what Dickie's point there, hopefully they can turn it around. I do question whether he can again, um, given that it happened so many times. But I hope it does, because I, I did an article on my blog a couple of weeks ago saying this is, they've put together a fantastic squad at Southend. They've got management and people in on the board uh, and behind the scenes that have played for the club and care for the club. Um, arguably the best manager in lower league football that we've ever seen in, in John Still. Um, so they've got everything they need to be successful. And yet that continues to be undone by, uh, by Ron Martin. So I hope they turn it around um, because if not, then uh, it would be a really, really sad situation to see. I was going to say, no. Luke, there's, there's one FA Cup game which we haven't mentioned. Um, oh yeah, of course. Which was, yeah. which was one that you were at, so we yeah. uh, we we ought to make full use of of uh, your experiences from yesterday just to tell us about that one. It's funny yeah. how we missed that one, Dicky. <laughs> it had, um, yeah, I, I generally just forgotten. There we go. Uh, as you can tell, yeah, my voice is a bit croaky. Um, I was at boxing against Hyde yesterday, and for an hour, Hyde were brilliant and. 
Theo Richardson in the Buxton goal basically kept them in it. If if Hyde had gone in three 0 up at half time, he couldn't complain. I think Buxton couldn't complain. Instead, he went um, in one 0 at half time with the Super Jack Redshaw scoring yet again, and then um, Buxton up the tempo a little bit. He got a penalty when uh, Tom Elliott was brought down. Scott Bowden stepped up, and Hyde's keeper who just come in this week. He literally signed him from TNS on Friday. Dan Atherton he. Tipped it onto the post, but then it trickled over the line, and then Bowden showed his experience had a really good finish. Got across, uh, got across his man to, to flick it into the corner, and ultimately Buxton got through. And I know there was a lot of um, a lot of cheek puffing from Buxton officials and fans at the end. They needed he'd maybe got away with one, and uh, I asked Buxton manager Jamie Vermiglio exactly that question at the end of the game. Once I'd wiped my tears away, Jamie, um, congratulations! You three, you must be relieved. Relieved is probably the word, and uh, yeah, relieved to get through. Of course, I am because I thought Hyde were excellent today, and they were certainly a team that were on the front foot in the ascendancy on the first half. We need to ride our luck a little bit. We were relying on our keeper to make some outstanding saves and back against the wall a little bit. But I did say last week at Spennymoor that you know winning games of football is not just about scoring goals; it's about keeping a clean sheet, it's about defending your box. And today we had to do it more than I wanted to. You know, I felt uncomfortable. Uh, but credit to, to them for turning the screw in the first half. Um, but second half, I thought we were the better side. I thought they they looked like they ran out of a little bit of steam. Um, like that, lacked a few ideas in the second half. But look, that's not you know that's nothing too negative on them because I thought they were excellent. But second half, we were much better. You strike me as quite a, a placid guy, but I imagine at half time was it quite a noisy dressing room? To be honest with you, today in the dressing room, I wasn't. You know, you can. You can plan to go in. Sometimes you can lose it as a manager and you can turn and you can, you know, be shouting and bawling. Today I made a, a conscious decision to not just take a step take a step back and just to talk. Because um, sometimes the lads know. I've sat there with my heads in my hands at half-time thinking, what am I going to do personally? So it was just a challenge to them personally to get themselves out of the little rut that they were in, do something that they needed to do. You know, whether that was slap themselves in the face, <laughs> throw some water on the face, have a little bit of a barney or something. I, you know, I challenged them to to play better individually. As a team, we were poor individually. We were, we were shocking. So they did that, I thought. I thought Bunny made a bit yeah. of a, a change. I, t- I took Sarge off. Nothing against Sarge. I thought he was doing all right. Um, we were all just doing all right. And all right is not good enough. Yeah. Not when you're trying to get to this stage. So um, change of shape perhaps helped a little bit. But you know the lads got themselves out of the rut. Nothing to do with me. They got themselves out of the rut. And I think in the end, they probably just maybe deserved to get through. New challenge for you now here at Buxton. How are you finding it? Obviously, new club and getting used to everyone. How's it been so far? Um, it's not been as easy as I thought, yeah. in all honesty. It's not. You know, I'm a person that wants to challenge myself. I'm 40 years old now. I was at Chorley for a long time. Um, and I wanted to throw myself out of my comfort zone and do something different. This challenge came up and I thought, why not? It would have been easy. The easy decision for me was to stay at Chorley. Mm to go through another few seasons but I, I saw the ambition here not that Chorley weren't ambitious but you know I think a club reaches a bit of a level and I think uh, to be honest at Chorley it probably reached a bit of a level with the um, the investment or lack of investment you're relying on the, the fantastic supporters that they got there and the footfall but here um, there's a little bit more ambition and a little bit mm. more want to get mm. into the next level and, and then to push on to the, to the level after that and that's you know that's what I want to try if I come here and it doesn't work out then at least I can say that I've given it a go but at the moment I'm assembling a team that's got, all right, they weren't great today, but they had a bit of character, mm. they had a little bit of know-how um, and we've gone on to win a game that we probably, in the first half, didn't look like we were going to. And you've got experience as well, haven't you? 
Which helps. I have got that. I've got. I've got some I mean, experience. Well, yeah. Got... yeah, yeah. When you come up to the level, you know, some of the players are coming up against Spennymore, and they don't really know Spennymore. I know Spennymore, yeah. a four-two-three-one, and all. Yeah. The, you know, I, I, I know all the players and, and, and things, and it, it helps a little bit. But I think the biggest challenge is for the players, um, getting themselves adjusted and acclimatised to the league, which I think they've done now. It's a physical league. It's quite a direct league. There's some good teams in it, but you need character to get mm. through. You need to defend your box. You're not going to have the ball all the time. Last year. This club had a lot of the ball. Mm. They created some chances, scored some fantastic goals. But this league's different. It is. It's difficult. You know, people talk about the National League being a tough league. National League North is a, a very, yeah. very tough league. We're pleased to be there, um, and we need to put our, our stamp on the league now. And that's what we're planning to do over the next ten to fifteen games. Everyone's been asking you who you want. I'm, I won't ask you who you want, but I'm guessing you just want home draw. What home draw? What the fans? I thought our oh, fans were great today. Hyde fans were great, yeah, and credit yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. I thought they were outstanding. You know, a few flares. No, don't condone flares at all. I do not. Yeah. But it does add to the atmosphere a little bit. And I thought they were great, but our fans were just as good, if not better, and they helped us to get it get it over the line. So home draw, for, um, yeah, for Buxton would be great. That was Jamie Vimiglo, and it was really interesting to hear him talk about the project there at Buxton, and it'll be interesting to follow their fortunes as they go on throughout the season. Um, Phil, thanks. Thanks once again for joining us. It's been my pleasure. I uh, hope it's thrown uh, some new light onto the competition for you guys. And Curly, um, amazing. Thanks for joining us again. Just to give us a plug on your YouTube channel. Yeah, so the YouTube channel is called Location Football. Um, all about non-league football, entertaining videos, hopefully, challenges with, with different players and managers and um, yeah, just spreading the light on the, the amazing people that uh, work within uh, the lower league. So, of course, no action internationally because all the teams were in the FA Cup. But there was action for those teams in the North and South. who would already been knocked out of the FA Cup. Sorry, Dickie. Um, it's been <laughs> no, there. No. We'll, we'll, start with, we'll, start, we'll start with the North because it's been an eventful week at your club, Telford. Yes, it has. Yeah, um, the, the... Telford's defeat at, at Peterborough Sports last uh, weekend unfortunately brought down the curtain on Paul Cardin's uh, reign as manager at Telford. Um, I, I think, it, you know, when you, when you look at the results that the club have been getting, I don't suppose it would have been too much of a surprise. Uh, Paul did a really solid job last season in helping to keep the club up when, you know, he came in when things were not looking good at all at, towards the end of November. Um, it did go down to the last day of the season, but ultimately it was mission accomplished, but just not really been able to get the club going this season. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately um, it's that lack of progression from from last season. I think last season we could take, you know, that that staying up was the was the uh, objective. But I think fans are obviously hoping for a little bit more um, from. Uh, beginning in August and it's not happened and ultimately um, he's paid the price for that with his job. I think um, possibly something that might have precipitated that was the availability of Kevin Wilkin following his sacking by Brackley Town. He was announced as the new Telford manager on Monday. Um, he's brought his backroom staff across from Brackley with him. Um, no players have made the way uh, across from Brackley yet, although uh, there's obviously going to be talk that that might happen because, you know, how often is it that managers bring in players that they know? Um, he's got a job on his hands because Telford are 21st. They're only one point and one position off the bottom. But, um, yeah, he gets uh, his Telford managerial reign underway with a game at Scarborough Athletic next weekend, which I'll be at. I'm also hoping to to speak to him and uh, meet him in midweek. So, uh, yeah, clearly with it being my club, that's one I'm going to be following very closely. 
It was a good weekend for you, Dickie, because you didn't lose at least on Saturday. <laughs> I did say that to somebody. It's a Saturday, the first Saturday for a while where we haven't lost. That would be slightly untrue. I mean, we did get a two-all draw at Leamington, but, you know, I laugh about that there, but I suppose it's that thing of um, football fans do develop a sort of like a very black gallows humour about the fact when they're going through poor runs of results, but that can become a mindset, can't it, unfortunately? And I think that's, kind of the mindset Telford fans are in at the moment and it it needs something to happen to shake them out of that so obviously um, Kevin Wilkins track record at Brackley um, suggests that certainly um, you know Telford fans can expect better days or, or certainly you know be very hopeful about having better days ahead there's a lot of work to go in but uh, yeah I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges he's got really is changing that sort of slightly defeatist um, air that hangs around the club. I wouldn't say amongst the people who actually work at the club, but certainly amongst the supporters, I think they're very quick to, you know, turn when things don't go well. Yeah, there was another interesting uh, game in the North where Darlington took on at Brackley. Roger Johnson's first game in charge of Brackley and he got a positive result, didn't he? Yes, he did. He didn't look like he was going to get one. Um, Darlington led 2-0 at half-time um, because of Kings Lynn's involvement in the FA Cup. Darlington were actually going top of the table at that point in time. They would have gone. Um, I think they're actually still level on points with, with Kings Lynn now. Obviously, they've played a game more. Uh, Danny Rose and a Mark Beck penalty had them 2-0 up at half-time. But Brackley, um, I've read Roger Johnson's summary in the non-league paper today. I think there were some harsh words had at half-time. Uh, Callum Stead got them on the mark early in the second half. And then, although it's been given to Stead um, on flash goals, which I've got open in front of me at the moment. Um, the non-league paper had it down as an, on, an own goal in the 89th minute. That will feel like something of a victory for Brackley uh, in the circumstances. And obviously that's disappointing for Darlington, the fact that they could have risen to the summit. But they're having a great season, Dralen Armstrong, and he did win uh, the Manager of the Month for September as well. So what other games in the North for Dalfield and uh, there weren't too many, I don't suppose. They're not really affected anything at the, at the business end. I think Gloucester City's 2-1 win at Alfreton is a notable uh, result. Uh, Stephen King, as they seem to be calling him rather than Steve King, uh, uh, looks like he's uh, penning uh, another bestseller there, potentially two goals from Kieran Phillips in the first 24 minutes at Gloucester. 2-0 up. Dan Preston got a goal back for Alfreton, but it stayed 2-1. So that's a really good win for him. Second win on the bounce for Steve King. Um, Chorley had a 1-0 win over Lemington, a Connor Hall penalty. Uh, Farsley Celtic unable to follow up their terrific 2-0 win at Kidderminster Harriers last week. They went down by three goals to nil at home to Southport, which I think just, you know, it's that inconsistency that does keep you towards the bottom of the table. Adam Anson, Tyler Walton and Josh Hamami with the goals there for Southport. Thought you were going to say Adam Ant and Dickie. Adam Ant? No, not <laughs> quite. No, no. He's um, never actually spoken to him, so I'm not quite sure I can class him as Prince Charming or anything like that. But, um, yeah, Kettering had a really fine 2-1 win over Spennymoor Town. Uh, Spennymoor Town, Jason Ainsley's... Uh, returned to the dugout. It was on an interim basis. It's now until the end of the season um, with one of his players, Jamie Chandler, serving as his assistant. So a little bit of stability there for Spennymore, although I would kind of expect that, you know, part of the plan will be ultimately for Jason to step back again once they get to next summer um, and, let, and let a new manager come in and shape things. But 
I, get, I think all the people who've come in to Spenny Moore since Jason actually stepped down for that role have struggled with the legacy that Jason actually left behind, you know. Um, so, you know, having him back in charge again, you know, is certainly a positive for them. But I, I'm not going to say negative, but there is that thing of maybe a little bit of harking back to the past sometimes isn't always the best. But, you know, if you need a safe pair of hands, he is a safe pair of hands. Um, as I say, I, I don't think he's going to stay there. Um, beyond the end of this season. Um, they went down 2-1 yesterday. John Lafoudi put them ahead just before half-time, but goals from Brad Gascoigne and Keaton Ward, who was at Telford last season, uh, got Kettering a very valuable 2-1 win and climbed them out of the bottom four. In the National League South, uh, Dartford, they closed the gap at the top with Ebsley and haven't been in FA Cup action. They beat Tunbridge by two goals to nil and have Epsley and haven't got anything to be fearful of yet, do you think, Joe? Um, yes, yes. I mean, Alan Delson has got a team out of the division before um, and they're certainly improving. Um, they're certainly getting better. Um, whether or not uh, Dartford have enough quality, certainly in the attacking areas and perhaps the depth of squads that Epsley and Havert have, um, I'm not too sure. Um, obviously, the, the way that Ebsfleet are playing, um, it, it looks like it's going to take a very, very good side to, to topple them as they just can't seem to lose at the moment, um, which probably means they'll lose next week. Now I've said that, but um, such is the, uh, the curse that I seem to be giving teams in the National League South and I give them praise. But um, yeah, they, they're, they're coming on nicely. Um, and yeah, they're, they're well-placed at the moment. Another team well-placed, but in a bit of a rut of wording. They're still in sixth in the playoff spots, but it's back-to-back defeats now in the lead. They lost 2-1 at Braintree. Yeah, um, you know, a defeat yesterday for them took the lead um, through Aaron Racine, um, actually a former Torquay defender. Mm. Um, and uh, they took the lead there, but um, obviously conceded quite, uh, quite soon after. And then um, sort of a... Calamitous last few minutes for them, conceding a penalty and then Aaron Racine um, getting himself sent off in the, the final few minutes. But, you know, Adam Hinchel would, would have been under no illusions that it was going to be a tough season for them. You know, they've got a very young squad um, and, uh, you know, with the exception of one or two. Um, and he will be happy. I mean, if you'd have said to him after 12 games, you'd be sitting sixth in the National League South, having lost only two games. Um, he would have snapped your hand off for that. So, um, yeah, obviously a defeat yesterday. But, I mean, Braintree are you know level on points with them, only one place below them, uh, only goal difference. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think he'll be too worried there. Chesson, they got a really good win. They got their first win since the opening day of the season, one nil away at Hemel Hempstead. St. Kitts and Nevis International, Rowan Lybird with the goal there and a massive win that for Chesson. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they needed some wins on the board um, and that's, a, you know, especially away from home, um, always good to, uh, you know, to get a, a result on the road. Obviously, Rowan Lybird, you said there, um, good striker. Um, and the fact that he was the match winner wouldn't have come as a surprise. Um, it does, you know, sort of keep them within touching distance of the sides just above them um, and a good win for them. Um, and they need to, you know, start adding or trying to build on that now. Um, you say it was only their second win since the opening day of the season. You know, even if they're drawing games and you just put a couple of couple of results together to sort of build that momentum um, and ensure that they're not sort of kept adrift at the bottom. So Albans there just outside the playoff places. They won 3-0 away 
at Welling. It's been a quiet start to the season for Sean Jeffers, but he got two on Saturday and Zane Banton got one as well. And St Albans just starting to uh, motor a little bit as, after a couple of weeks of sort of um, controversy and turmoil. Yeah, I mean, for them, you know, when you've got a striker like Sean Jeffers in your side, if you can keep it a little bit tighter at the back, then you're always going to have a chance of winning games at this level. Um, you know, I think during the COVID season, we saw that exactly. You know, they were really, really good defensively and, and Sean Jeffers scoring as well as he did. Um, they were right up. Uh, they were up at the, the top of the division. And, um, you know, even though they've sacked um, Allenson, um, they're, they're quite well placed at this time. Um, ninth, or eighth in the league, only a point off the playoffs. And um, yeah, no, won't be too uh, too unhappy with how they've started. Bath won 2 0 away at Concord. Two goals there for Cody Cook. And also, just looking at Dover, I know they're a team you've uh, kept your eye on, Joe. And they won 3 0 against Slough. Interesting to see the scorers as well. Lots of experience in there. Chica Candy, Alfie Pavey, and Luke Wanadeo. Yeah, well, a couple of things really on that uh, that Dover game. Obviously, they're a side that uh, I backed to be in the playoffs at the end. You, you said it there. Lots of experience, uh, especially in the attacking areas. As for Slough, I apologise to every Slough fan because I put the, the big I am on them at the start of the season saying that they were going to be the nearest challengers to have an Ebb's feet. And um, so far, they've... Uh, not not got going. Um, so apologies for that. But yeah, uh, Bath, um, just to touch on them, they're cooking on gas. Um, and uh, yeah, they're doing uh, really, really well uh, so far. Certainly another two goals for, for Cook yesterday. Um, a day off for, for Dominic Polian with Ebbsfleet. Um, obviously, they were in the FA Cup and uh, Cook's now level on level on goals with, uh, with Dominic Polian at the top of the league with 10. Yeah, cooking up a storm uh, at the top of the division there. Interesting as well, just on the, uh, you say about Slough putting in a dampener, and I saw something this week where they uh, did a quick fire questions with Scotty Davis, friend of the podcast, and it's like, um, how do you celebrate a win? And he said, uh, by getting a chicken chawarma and chips. So at least his waistline will be fine with these uh, some of these defeats as well. So uh, sorry about that, Scott. But uh, I thought that was interesting, actually. Um Thanks a lot to all our guests. Thanks to you, Dickie, and also Joe. We'll be back next week here on NL Full Time. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And subscribe and leave us a review. Until then, have a great week. (laughs) 